Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, we are so, so close to the start of the regular season for the St. Louis Blues, but we are past the start of the regular season for the rest of the NHL. So first, I'm going to be reacting to the Blues practice lines as it looks like that's going to be an indicator uh, for their forward and defensive lines, at least starting the regular season. And then I'm going to be going into just uh, some some rumors about the Blues reverse retro jerseys. Uh, there is some confirmed uh, potential colors there for the Blues reverse retro jerseys. So we're going to be talking about that. And then at the end of the episode, I'm going to be giving some general thoughts about the start of the regular season, plus giving my picks for who will make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Should be a fun episode. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lockdown Blues Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, as always, Josh Hyman. If this is your first time, Tune into the show. Welcome. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. Great to see you. Great to see me, I suppose. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Getting really, really close to 500 subscribers. Just a couple away. Uh, hopefully there by the start of the regular season for the Blues. Uh, but we're getting close. Uh, but if you this isn't your first time, thanks for making Lockdown Blues your first listen. Free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, so today at the time of recording, it is Thursday, October 13th. The regular season officially fully kicked off two days ago on the 11th. However, the Blues get the short end of the stick and they do not play until Saturday. Uh, So that's why if you're wondering why there hasn't been as many episodes this week, I'm planning on doing one this weekend, uh, just reaction to the Blues first game, Uh, hopefully getting that out Sunday or late Saturday night, depending on how that works out, maybe Monday. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, I am getting real antsy, real excited to watch the Blues play hockey this season and you know, I've been watching these other teams, and it's been great. It's been fun. You know, the Oilers looked really good. McDavid scored a couple goals. Um, the Bruins look like they're they're still doing well uh, with Krejci back and all that. There's a lot of fun storylines. You know, Matty Beniers uh, getting a couple points for the Seattle Kraken. A lot of stuff we're going to be talking about as the season goes on. Um, you know, not just focusing on the Blues, because I'm a, I'm a hockey fan overall, not just a Blues fan. But there is Blues hockey coming up Saturday night. Uh, I'm really, really excited about that, obviously. And the Blues have some practice lines that that came out, and it looks like these might be the lines uh, for at least at least opening night. So I'm going to be reacting to those, giving my thoughts on how I think these lines are going to look. You know, who's playing with who, all that fun stuff. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? First things first are the forward lines. Now, the forward lines I think for the Blues are going to be pretty. Pretty sporadic throughout the year uh, in typical Craig Ruby fashion. You don't typically see the same group of forwards for long periods of times. Um, sometimes you do, but he likes to switch it up. So this obviously I don't think is going to last. But the first line as of right now is Brandon Saad, Ryan O'Reilly, and Jordan Cairo. Uh, I'm a big fan of that line. I think I've talked about, you know, I think I know I've talked about all three players at length. Uh, throughout the offseason and all that. So I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much, but and more so just talk about what I think these three can kind of bring on a line together. Now, anytime you're on a line centered by Ryan O'Reilly, it's going to be a really good line. He is spectacular defensively, spectacular in the faceoff dot. 
Um, so you're going to have a lot of possession there. You know, he's going to win faceoffs. He's going to make it impossible for the other team to get a ton of offensive pressure. So anytime you're on a line with Ryan O'Reilly, you assume that you're going to have the puck a lot. Um, and Brandon Saad is a really good guy to have on that. He is great with puck possession. He is really, really hard to get off the puck. I think he is pretty much their Jaden Schwartz replacement in that aspect. You know, Jaden Schwartz's, um, claim to fame was always just how good he was at possessing the puck and how hard it was to knock him off the puck. And Brandon Saad can fill that role as well. Um, and anytime you're on a line with Ryan O'Reilly, that is a perfect asset to have. So I think those two being on a line together is something that we might see uh, a lot throughout this regular season. Uh, Saad obviously is, is decent enough defensively. He can hold his own there. Um, but anytime you're with Ryan O'Reilly, you can kind of afford to be to gamble a little bit offensively. And Saad's a good guy to do that as well. You know, he's good at getting to the front of the net. Um, you can score on deflections and stuff as well. He's a good guy to have, you know, on your top line. Um, but the real, real thing I'm excited about there is Jordan Cairo on that right side, his speed combined with O'Reilly's defensive ability and Saad's puck possession ability could be deadly. Um, both O'Reilly and Saad are above average passers to say the least, and they can spring Cairo out for breakaways. Like it's nothing, you know, O'Reilly off of faceoffs or stealing the puck in the defensive zone or Saad, you know, possessing the puck along the boards, drawing in some extra defenders. And it'll be really easy for them to to create opportunities for Jordan Cairo just based off of their play style. So I'm really excited to see that line. Um, second line, Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Now this, in my mind, is the line that I'm most excited to see. Pavel Buchnevich, I think, is primed to have a spectacular year. He was really, really good with the St. Louis Blues last year. Uh, got a ton of points, scored a ton of goals, and you know, took him a little bit to find his stride. But once he did, he was dominant. And now that I think he's got a full year under his belt, I think he's going to come in uh, even better than he played last season. And then being centered by Robert Thomas, who is probably the best playmaker on the team, um, great passer. Uh, having Buchnevich and Tarasenko on his wings are just going to set him up for so many assist opportunities. Buchnevich is big, physical, uh, great to get in, great at getting to the net, you know, driving possession. Um, and Vladimir Tarasenko, obviously, with his wicked quick release, is that line is going to put up a ton of points. I expect if this were to be the, you know, the long term groupings, I expect that second line to be maybe the three highest scorers on the team. Um, if they were to play together all year, which, like I said, probably won't happen. But if they did, man, is that line going to put up a ton of points. I'm so, so excited to see them play. Um, I think they complement each other really, really well. You know, Thomas with his good passing, uh, Tarasenko with his wicked shot, and Buchnevich with his physicality and, and playmaking as well. I think those three are going to be super dynamic together, and I cannot wait to watch them play. Before I get into the bottom six and defensive pairs, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Bet Online. Now, betonline.net is your number one source for football betting and, of course, hockey betting info this season. You can find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game you can find. Plus, as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing and golf so head to betonline.net or you can use your mobile device to learn more check out bet online where the game starts be right back with the second half of today's episode all right so 
We've gone through the top six. Uh, talked a lot about that. Now let's get into the bottom six, an area that I think was was lacking a little bit for the Blues last year, but this year hoping to have a bit more of an identity, starting with the third line, and honestly could be the best third line in hockey, and I'm not exaggerating. Jake Neighbors, Braden Shen, Ivan Barbashev. First of all, Braden Shen as a third line center is just ridiculous. Uh, I've talked about how he was injured all last season and through training camp and preseason, he just looks so much healthier and so much better. Uh, coming into this year, he looks qu- quicker. He looks more limber. He looks more comfortable out there. I think Braden Shen is is uh, primed to have a huge bounce back year uh, offensively, um, and having him as your third line center is just ridiculously good uh, for for offensive firepower. You know, you get through Sad O'Reilly, Kairou, Buchnevich, Thomas Tarasenko, and then Braden Shen hops over the board, centering Jake Neighbors and Ivan Barbashev. Uh, that line is going to be so much fun to watch. Um, Brandon Shen obviously plays with a little bit of an edge, so he's a good third-line candidate just for that. But his offensive firepower and his playmaking and his goal scoring is going to do wonders. Ivan Barbashev on that right side. Don't forget, he scored 25 goals last year. Um, A guy that is hopefully uh, willing to... um, come in and, you know, produce offensively again and willing and able to produce offensively again. Um, Because I'm a little bit hesitant to say that he can repeat that 25 goal mark from last season, but, you know, he definitely showed that it wasn't just a fluke. He was making plays. He did look like a threat offensively. He definitely disappeared down the end of the stretch of the season and um, uh, in the playoffs, but... If he can sort of find that spark again playing next to Braden Shen, I have no no hesitation that he'll be able to produce offensively and create a really dynamic third line. And then Jake Neighbors. I was a little worried when I saw that he got sent down, but uh, insiders were pretty quick to point out that it was likely just due to cap compliance. And sure enough, it was. Jake Neighbors gets called back up and then gets placed on the third line in these practice lines. If he is able to stick with that third line, you know, you, you say, oh man, Jake Neighbors, he's going to be wasted as a bottom six forward. He'd rather have him be a, a first line, whatever. Playing with Braden Shen and Ivan Barbashev is not a traditional third line role for any player. That is a, a line that is going to produce a ton of scoring opportunities. Uh, Barbashev's a good goal scorer. Braden Shen's a good goal scorer. And Jake Neighbors is a tremendous, tremendous passer. Uh, maybe second to only Robert Thomas in terms of passing ability uh, amongst forwards. He is that good. He showed that in his nine game stint with the Blues last year. Um, and if he is able to get consistent third line time with this group, not only will he be playing with good line mates, but he'll also be matching up against, you know, third pairing, de- third pairing defensemen and, you know, n- not team's primary defensive forward lines. Because, like I said, you have to go up against Sada, Riley, Kairu, Buchnevich, Thomas Arasenko before you even get to that third line. So Jake Neighbors is really set up to have a really strong season. Uh, on that third line if he sticks there just because he is with such talented offensive players but also being on the third line he's not going to be facing the best defensive players uh, night in night out he's going to have a lot of opportunity to prove himself a lot of opportunity to make plays but also you know he is on that third line so he won't be overwhelmed he won't be you know playing 20 minutes a night against you know first pairing defensemen which as much as that's a bummer as much as i'd love to see jake neighbors out there you know every other shift is realistic it makes sense and i think that line can be really really strong for the st louis blues and then moving on to the fourth line a line that i'm also kind of excited about just because it's it's the grit line this year wasn't really um traditionally a blues fourth line last year you know you think of the blues fourth line you think of heavy hitting checking just making making uh life difficult 
for opposing defenses, opposing offenses as well. And um, Nathan Walker, Nolachari, and Josh Levo, you might want to substitute in Logan Brown at a point or Torpchenko, but no matter who you sub in there, that line is, I think it finally has an identity, something that it was lacking uh, in this last season, this previous season. Nathan Walker, I've talked about a ton. He's a pest. He's going to do it all for you out there. He's going to play with incredibly high motor, 110% every time he's on the ice. He's little, but he can make plays and he can be physical and he can, you know, he can score goals at times as well. He had a hat trick last year. So, and then Nolachari uh, centering that line. He's not the tallest guy out there, but he's solid. He's, he's physical. Um, he's great defensively as well. Um, and then Josh Levo, similar, you know, not the tallest guy, but thick, you know, pause, physical, <laughs> um, hard to knock off the puck, just like the rest of the, the guys on that line. That fourth line is going to be a nuisance. You know, when you get through that that first three lines of just offensive firepower, a plenty, then you got to go out and face this defensive-minded fourth line. I think the Blues forward core is really, really exciting this year and honestly really underrated as well. Moving on to the defenseman, I'm going to have a little bit less to say here because defensemen, you kind of can just say the same thing about a lot of them, you know. Uh, but I'll get into it anyways. Nick Letty and Colton Pareko as the first pairing. Now, this is a pairing that I'm very intrigued about. If Nick Letty can stick on that first pairing, you know, if if he earns that spot, then the Blues are going to be in a really good spot this year because Nick Letty, in my mind, isn't a first-pairing defenseman. Um, and I think Colton Pareko kind of needs a true first-pairing defenseman opposite him in order to reach his true potential. We've seen that in the past when he has a guy like Jay Bomeister uh on his line on his pairing he looks like one of the best defensemen in the league uh but when he has a guy like Nico Mikula on his other pairing no offense to Nico Mikula you know he's a great defender but he's not a top two top four defender he can struggle a little bit more so if Nick Letty can show that he he deserves a spot in the top two or even top four I think that'll do wonders for Colton Pareko if Nick Letty is able to continue to do what he did last year moving the puck being that offensive defenseman, being steady Letty, as I like to call him, then Colton Pareko can focus on, you know, improving his game defensively and won't be asked to sort of do it all like he has been in the past and able to really zero in on being that big hulking defensive defenseman that we know he can be. Moving on to probably the best defensive pairing on the St. Louis Blues, Tory Krug and Justin Falk. Uh, that pairing was incredible last year. They were so, so good. They complemented each other so well. Falk being that two-way guy that's, you know, solid defensively but can produce offensively when needed. And then Tory Krug, who pretty much plays like a fourth forward out there at times. Um, the biggest problem for that pairing was health. Tory Krug couldn't stay healthy there towards the end of the season. But Justin Falk is, I think, the best defenseman on the team right now, all things considered. And having Tory Krug on his on his other pairing is just going to create an incredibly fun pairing to watch. I'm really excited about that. And then moving on, Nico Mikola and Robert Bortuzzo. It's all you can really ask for out of a third-pairing def- uh, defensive group. You know, Bortuzzo, he's steady. He's physical. He's big. He's he's a pest. Uh, he knows the scheme really, really well. He's one of the longest-tenured defensemen on the team, if not the longest-tenured defenseman on the team, I think. Uh, so he knows the system. Craig Ruby trusts him. Um, not much to say about him that, you know, hasn't already been said. And then Nico Mikola. A perfect guy for the third pairing. You know, he was in over his head at times up there on the first pairing last year, but he held his own, which is promising. He's maybe the youngest. Def- no, he's definitely the youngest defenseman um, in that top six for the St. Louis Blues. So just based on that, has the most potential to grow. Uh, and if he does grow, then the Blues defense goes from slightly above average to very, very solid. Uh, moving on, before we get into the third segment, 
quick little report. The Blues Reverse Retro color scheme has reportedly been leaked. So there was a picture of a uh, Winter Classic style hat with the with the old style Blues logo on it and the main color. Now, if you listen to Locked On Blues throughout the off season, there was one episode where I took fan questions and somebody asked me what I thought the Blues Reverse Retro would be this year. And I had a really bold take. I said, I want them to go out and... and put on a yellow jersey you know it's the one one color in their scheme that we hadn't seen as a primary color yet we've seen blue obviously we've seen that powder blue we've seen red we've seen white we've never seen yellow and a lot of people like that looks crazy that would be ugly it might be ugly but based on reports it seems like the blues might actually go with a solid uh, not solid yellow but a yellow jersey as the primary color so like come on i called it um, but I'm, I'm excited about that. If you, if you've seen the hat, it's like, a I mean, it's, it's blues yellow, um, with the, with the powder blue stripes and then the old style logo. And there are a couple of Jersey mock-ups that I think look pretty cool with that solid yellow. It's definitely bold. It definitely could look like the Nashville Predators jerseys, which I'm not a fan of at all. But I think if the blues pull it off and they, and they do it right, if they kind of use the yellow that's here, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, the yellow that is around my Twitter handle, I think that would be perfect. I think that's a really nice color. Um, but also if they were to go sort of the winter classic angle with the powder blue and the, the more kind of bright yellow, I think that could work really well as well. I'm just super excited to see them. I haven't gotten a blues jersey in a long time. And if these yellow ones are are as cool as I think they could be, that might have to be my purchase. Anyways, that being said, I'm going to head into the third and final segment where I give sort of a rapid fire list of Western Conference playoff predictions. Make sure you stay tuned. Be right back. All right, let's jump into it. Western Conference playoff predictions. Eight teams can make it. There are more than eight teams in the Western Conference, obviously. So who's going to make it? Who's not going to make it? Let's start off with what we know and love, the Central Division. Now, the Central Division, I think the top three is pretty set in stone. I think the Avalanche are going to finish at number one, and then it's between the Wild and the Blues. I think the Blues finish in at number two. The Wild finished in at number two last year. Um, but I think the Blues underperformed last year as much as they kind of out over, you know, they, they could have been better. I think they dropped a lot of games they could have won. If the Blues come in and they play solid from the start of the regular season, you know, they, they play consistent um, and Jordan Bennington has a solid year, I could definitely see the Blues getting around 110 points in the regular season, which is around where the Wild and Blues finished last year. Um and because of that, I think the Blues finish in second place and the Wild finish in third. So there is my top three for the Central Division. And then looking at the Pacific Division, that's a little bit tricky. And that really, what it comes down to is, what do you think about the Calgary Flames? Are the Calgary Flames going to bounce back because they added Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Wieger? Or are they going to falter because they lost their two leading scorers in Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk? Personally, I'm going to take the Flames make the playoffs. I think the Flames make the playoffs. I think they finish in second in the Pacific Division behind the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the Edmonton Oilers are the perfect regular season team. They have two top five players in the NHL, one top one player in the NHL, obviously, in Connor McDavid. Um, Still got to figure out some stuff, goaltending, defense, all that is a question mark. But when you have Connor McDavid, when you have Leon Dreisaitl, 
you're going to score a ton of goals. You're going to win a ton of games. And the Pacific Division is pretty weak this year. So the Oilers are going to be playing a lot of bad teams. And Connor McDavid just dunks on bad teams. I expect them to win a lot of games. I expect them to potentially have people calling them a Stanley Cup contender with how good of a regular season they have. Um, but again, it really just comes down to goaltending and uh, defense for them as usual. And then I have the Flames in at second. I think they almost arguably improved adding Kadri and Huberto and um, Uyghur, um amongst a couple other pieces. I think that they were a really good team last year. Um, and they have a good coaching staff. They have a really good defense. And they still have a really, really good forward core as well as a good goaltender as well. I think they're a very complete team. And even though they had a massive shakeup this offseason, um, I think they, they earned a playoff spot. And then in that third spot, I got a bit of a hot take. Maybe, maybe not. I think the LA Kings finally returned to the playoffs. Uh, they got a good mixture of veteran leadership and young guys um, as well as a good goaltender as well. Uh, similar to the Flames, I think they're a very complete team, a very young team, a team that is fully embracing the speed and skill of the modern NHL. And because of that, and because of the fact that the Pacific Division is so weak, I think that they slide in at that third spot. Now, elephant in the room, I don't have the Vegas Golden Knights making the playoffs, but I will just say I could see the Vegas Golden Knights doing anything from winning the Stanley Cup to missing the playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights have a really good roster, a ton of talent, but their goaltending tandem has like a combined year and a half of NHL talent. They have Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill, neither of which are proven. Um, so if those two goaltenders can show that, yeah, they're NHL caliber tandem, then the Vegas Golden Knights could go on and win the Pacific Division. But if they do what they've done in the past and underperform, the Vegas Golden Knights could miss the playoffs. They're going to be an enigma this year. I'm excited to watch them, but who knows? Uh, the Seattle Kraken are another team that I think if the chips fall in the right direction, maybe they could be a wild card team. But probably not. My two wildcard teams are the Predators and the Stars. I think the Central Division um, is pretty top-heavy with those five teams. And then you have, you know, Arizona, uh, Winnipeg, and Chicago sort of rounding out the bottom, just being pretty bad. I mean, Arizona and Chicago are arguably the two worst teams in the NHL, and then Winnipeg is sort of just a mediocre team. But I think Nashville and Dallas are both going to be competing for that third spot. I honestly think that the... Spots two through five in the Central Division are going to be up for grabs. I think Colorado's got number one basically locked up, but between St. Louis, Minnesota, uh, Dallas, and Nashville, I think that's going to be pretty close. Um, because of that, I think that they're pretty much a lock for that for those two wild card spots, unless a couple teams in the Pacific Division massively over overperform, which could happen, but who knows? Maybe we'll come back to this video in a few months and laugh at me how wrong I was or commend me for how right I was. But the only way you can do that is if you hit that follow or subscribe button or whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on. That way you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Blues. Like I said, getting real close to 500 subscribers. Want to do something special for that. Make sure you follow Lockdown Blues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lockdown Blues. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. That is all the time I have for you guys today. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.